Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 1043. This is my interview with Joshua Friedman, and we're discussing emotional intelligence. Enjoy. Hey, Josh, welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. No, thanks for taking the time out um, of your day. You've got a busy day, probably coming to the end of your day there. Yeah, it's been Zoom-tastic today. Hmm. A lot of Zoom calls. A lot of Zoom calls, but that's the way things are these days. Um, You're an expert in the um, emotional intelligence field, yeah? Well, I always worry when I hear that word expert because I have some challenges with it, but I'm working on it. A leader in the field. You've you've spent, how many years have you spent in this area of research? Uh, 25 years full time and several years before that as a teacher in a school where emotional intelligence was one of our central pillars. Mm. And so I've been doing this for a little bit and I feel like I'm sometimes I have the hang of it. More of an expert than most of us probably listening here. That's good. That's good. And you've got a, a, an organization that um, did you help set that up? The six seconds? Yeah. I'm one org? Of the, yeah. One of the co-founders of six seconds and we got started in 97 to answer the question of how do you actually use emotional intelligence and how do you develop it? Mm. And what happened was Dan Goleman, who wrote the book in 1995, he'd come to the school that I mentioned where I was teaching and he said, wow, this is a model of how you teach this. And he wrote a whole chapter in his book about it. And then people started calling us saying, well, this book is fantastic, but how do you do it? And that's why we created six seconds was to show people how. Okay. So you went from teaching the emotional intelligence to doing this full time, uh, helping, I guess, the glo- a more larger uh, global audience. Yeah. Well, the truth is, Lee, that I was not teaching it before. I thought when we started, I thought I was going to be doing the kind of back office stuff. <laughs> my, I was working on products and in being the operations manager. And that's yeah. where my comfort zone was and to some degree still is. But I think I needed to learn this stuff. And that's what really brought me into it. And particularly when I became a parent, but also as the organization's grown and I'm trying to learn to be a leader of a global organization. I've needed to find some new new acumen, hence the uncomfortable with the word expert. All right, okay. So tell us about um, Six Seconds. What, what's the organization all about? Well, as I said, we're, we're here to increase emotional intelligence in the world. Uh, we research what works and we disseminate that through certification trainings. We work in every sector. We have people in big corporations and tiny little businesses, community organizations, nonprofits, schools, prisons, militaries, healthcare, kind of everywhere. Everywhere that there are people, we need these skills. Mm. And uh, we have certified practitioners in 150 countries. And through our project with UNICEF World Children's Day, we bring emotional intelligence skills to kids in 200 countries and territories. So it's pretty widespread at this point, but we have a lot more work to do. A lot more work to do. So why is this such important work? I suppose maybe we need to first start at what is uh, EQ or emotional intelligence and how does that separate from, I guess, what I grew up with is IQ, you know, what's your Mm -hmm. actual intelligence? 
Um, where do we start? Yeah, me too. I even when I studied psychology, I didn't really learn about emotions. And it's I think <clears throat> few of us have really f gotten an opportunity to, to find out what do these things really mean? I mean, we have them. And I think in most uh, places in the world, the sort of stories, oh, okay, those emotion things, some of them are nice, but let's just try to ignore those. And that's, I, I guess, emotional stupidity, which is sort of the opposite of emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, the simple definition is being smarter with feelings. Okay. We have What's them? the difference between a feeling and an emotion? Same thing. Okay. Getting into some deep waters now. I, in, I don't know that I care. Uh, like this is both, this is a felt experience. You've got this sensation. But technically, uh, an emotion is an automatic physiological response. It happens almost instantaneously. We're continuously producing emotion chemicals. They last in our brains and bodies for about six seconds. These chemicals go flowing through our bloodstream. They affect every living cell in the human body. It's part of our regulatory system. And then they start so that's to the emotion. In. That's the emotion, yeah. And six seconds, and they... you say, obviously, a link there with the company. <laughs> you got it. How do you know yeah, it's six we... seconds? How do you know it's... Well, uh, Candace Pert, who is was the chief of brain science at the National Institutes of Health, uh, back when, uh, was one of our original advisory board members. And Candace is the one who shared this with us, that when she was studying the neurobiology of emotion, she found they lasted in the brain and body for four to seven seconds. So we settled on six. Okay. Interesting. So emotion is that immediate reaction. And then these emotions start to work on us, and we feel them. Right, and in English, I, I know you spent time in Japan. In Japanese, they don't use the same word. In many languages, they don't use the same word. But in, in English, we feel feelings. We feel things are hot, we feel they're sharp, we feel angry, we feel sad. There's a physical sensation. Uh, and that happens because these emotions start to work on us, work on our brains and bodies. And they, they change all of our muscular systems, our digestive systems, our immune systems, our thinking, our vision, like they change what we look at, they change what we hear. Like emotions are, are at a kind of base level regulating the human organism to cope with life. And so we, we get the emotion and then it turns into a feeling as we start to process it. Can we get an emotion without having the consequent feeling? Do you think? Like, can we have a like an internal, like, you know, stress reaction or something that perhaps we're not mm -hmm. noticing or, or something that does something to our digestive system without yeah. noticing the feeling. So I think there's two things there. One is this is happening all the time and we don't notice it. Right. Right. We're continuously regulating ourselves, just like you might not notice that sometimes your heart rate increases or decreases. Mm -hmm. Right. Or sometimes your breathing gets more or less shallow. And then you're like, wait, I'm kind of out of breath. Like, oh, what's going on? Right. So all this regulatory stuff is happening in the background. Um, the other piece of that, though, is we can hold on to and struggle with emotions and we can get kind of caught up in it and it gets big and messy. And we're probably paying much more attention to it then. Other times it's just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Now we're going to get into talking about purpose and how emotional intelligence can help us with our finding our purpose. 
but as far as the purpose of emotions go, do you have a <laughs> do you have a comment about that? Yeah, and it's actually linked. Uh, emotions oh. uh, are signals that help us pay attention to and energize us to deal with the opportunities and threats that we perceive. So the purpose of emotion is to help us navigate through opportunities and threats, many of which are social, by the way, because we're social animals. Yeah. And so we've got these little nudges kind of going, hey, pay attention to this. Get energy for this. Deal with this. Some of those are big, right? And we start having these big feelings. And I, I don't believe they're negative and positive feelings. We have these big feelings. And these big feelings are telling us you're noticing something big. So in other words, when we have a lot of feeling, it's telling us we're perceiving something important. Sound like right. purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's the link is that emotions are here to help us notice and, and, and handle, navigate, engage with what's important. And purpose is a big part of what's important. Hmm. And the emotion is how we feel. And that's a big part of how, we, how well we navigate that purpose, I suppose, as well. Yeah, so there's some really intriguing research about, about purpose and this idea, do we find purpose or not? Yeah. And what I think actually happens is we start to grow a sense of purpose around what we're committed to. Mm -hmm. And as we work on something and we start to feel more deeply and think more deeply and engage more deeply, it starts to feel more purposeful. And so <clears throat> purpose is probably something we make more than find. And it, well, it comes around in a circle, doesn't it really? Like if you think about the emotion creating the feeling to help you find that purpose. Mm. And I guess the, the more aligned you are with that purpose, that will change the kind of emotions that uh, get being produced there. Yeah, sometimes emotions researchers talk about moral emotions. And uh, I mean, people give feelings like shame and guilt a really bad rap. Yeah. Mm. But they're moral emotions. They, we feel social shame. There's different kinds of shame, but we feel social shame. We're like, I'm, and you lived in Japan, you, you've seen this very <laughs> firsthand. Like people feel shame when they're not aligned with the group. And that social shame is a, a moral emotion that catalyzes us to uh, maybe go along more with the group norms, which can be extreme in some cultures, like Japan, where it can be really paralyzing for people. Like I can't be myself because this is so strong. But at the other extreme, I live in the US where we seem to have uh, a need for some more shame. For some what? Some more shame? More shame. Yeah. Right. You know, we have, for example, political leaders, not to name any names, but political leaders who <clears throat> do things that are really horrible and then seem to feel no shame about it. Mm. Even when they're caught, even when they're, it's a bald faced lie. People are like, you lied. Yeah, well, okay. You know, and that's that lack of shame or guilt or remorse. Uh, <laughs> we kind of lose an important regulatory function for the individual and society. Yeah. It's finding that balance then, huh? Yes. So pretty important that we, we teach emotional intelligence and, and I suppose not only talk about what it is, but how we can use it. 
to improve our performance and I guess those people that we're living with or surrounded by or work with. Yeah, and this is the fantastic news is that these are learnable, measurable yeah. skills. Are they teaching and in schools well enough over there in the States? Not enough. Uh, there's some great examples in near you on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, mm. There's some great examples in, in, in a lot of countries. There's some in the US, yeah. but, uh, but not enough. And I think what's happening is we're not keeping up with the deluge, right? We've got this kind of tsunami of stress and complexity hitting us at work, at home. And for kids, it's uh, really brutal. And I, I think we are trying to avoid thinking about how difficult it is right now, but it's really brutal. And um, we're not, it's like the challenge is getting bigger and our skills aren't getting bigger fast enough. Mm. We need to do more. Yeah, or do less of some other things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's, I think we're, um, we're deeply entrenched right now in uh, outsourcing our own wellness to social media. You know, how many likes did you get tells you something about who you really are, uh, which it doesn't, or how valuable you are, which it doesn't. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, these algorithms are teaching us, they're training. We're not, we're not training the algorithms. The algorithms are training us and they're training us to be more reactive and more superficial. Mm. And I don't think social media is the cause of all evil and, you know, technology. We wouldn't be here doing this right now without technology. I think there's good ways to use it. But again, we've got to keep up with the reality that we're living in. And that means we need a lot more skills for complexity. Mm. And, and I'm sure you're seeing this in Australia as well. Uh, loneliness is at an all-time high in the recorded history of loneliness. Stress is at an all-time high. Uh, mental health crises, particularly for young people, uh, people 16 to 25 are facing levels of suicide and uh, depression and anxiety that are un unheard of. And all of these things need more, we need more emotional skills and in the workplace, just the work from home and hybrid and all that complexity. There's just so much happening that's stressing our relational systems. And there's, I feel a tremendous urgency to grow more capabilities for us to deal with the world we're living in. So learning the tools to navigate our emotions will help us in this new world, I suppose we're living in where we're really always stuck behind screens. I mean, I've been looking into a lot of screen time activity recently and I use my phone for work and I'm on it quite a bit, but I know there's a lot of people that don't do it for that purpose, but they're still on it for quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, can those same tools be applied, whether it's in the tech world or, or outside and external world, or is there different tools now mm -hmm. that you're sort of coming across around navigating emotions? Because I imagine I mean, for our generation, we didn't have that technology. So we had to learn that emotional now intelligence for, for many, many years. Now we've got it. So we've got to try and blend the two. Whereas some of the mm -hmm. new generations, they've been behind those screens the whole life, you know? I was talking to my older kid about this and uh, whether 
you could create meaningful connection um, mm. through text messages or digitally. And they said they feel like their relationships through text are uh, very honest, very meaningful, uh, and in some ways better than their relationships through in-person interaction. Interesting. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Well, not for me. Hmm. But I'm, <laughs> I'm a little older, right? So I think it's important to consider that, you know, somebody who's 23, as you said, may have a very different relationship with technology. And yeah, I wonder if, um, you know, because if you're behind the screens and there would be this social awkwardness, wouldn't that be created if you're not having those social interactions, which we're all about? And Perhaps it's more because you've got this this protection of a screen mm. rather than face to face. You're a bit more vulnerable, I feel, and your your whole body is exposed with another whole body. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So our our social brain becomes more activated when we're in person. Right. Uh, so if we kind of think of a continuum from like a text message to a phone call, remember those <laughs> to a Zoom meeting to in-person, or maybe VR might be the next and then in-person. And our social brain becomes increasingly activated in those and our filters, uh, which again, things like shame are quite helpful in preventing us from you know, doing sort of horrible things. That, like people say things in text they would never say in person, mm. right? And that's the, that, that social brain has not activated enough to go, wait a minute, there's a real person there. I don't wanna say something mean. Yeah. Right. So uh, there is an there's more of that social brain activation. And I think that brings with it a richness and an intensity. And that is also uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. I'm finding it harder to be like after a couple of years of mostly being at home. I was at a conference recently and I found it exhausting to be around so many people. There you go. I'm like, wow, I've kind of lost the muscle, <laughs> lost the fitness of, of social engagement. Well, that, no, that was well, the energy that you must use. And I think about this all the time and it was brought up to me from a colleague that observes my, my daily interactions with people. I'm, I'm always talking with people and always dealing with people's situations, you know? And at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is go out and socialize generally because <laughs> most of my days that and and she was like well hang on most of your days like that so and i thought about it and i thought that the amount of energy the brain uses and the amount more it must use with interacting with people and it must use that social part of our brain quite intensively that that must just drain you so i imagine from like sitting at home for two years not exercising and suddenly going out for a walk would be just like you know sitting at home for two years and suddenly going out to a conference quite overwhelming yeah, mm. yeah. So there's a term called emotional labor that was developed in the 70s. And it was originally uh, popularized around gender equity and looking at how jobs that are frequently were done by women had more, had a particular form of labor involved. Yeah. And that labor of caring, that labor of social interaction. And so this emotional labor term uh, was popularized. and. I like the term a lot, just thinking about well, what is the work in the interaction? And 
if we're doing emotional labor, we are, we're doing, we're right now, we're doing emotional labor, right? We're trying to find this points of connection and understand each other and kind of looking at each other. And, and it's fun and it's work. Mm. And so that emotional labor is something that I think we can train for <laughs> and, and practice for. Right. Is that kind of what you teach? I mean, yeah, you must so have a the, whole bunch of different tools that you, you teach. Yes, uh, tons. And the starting point for me is to stop vilifying, stop t talking about negative emotions, stop treating emotions as something distracting or disruptive, and instead to say, what if all of these feelings are actually valuable? Hmm. And for me, that that was hard for me because I was very uncomfortable with feelings. And I didn't like, you know, when somebody was upset, I didn't like to ask people how they were feeling. It's like, mm, that's, I don't want to open that box. And what I've learned is that when you actually, when you open the box, instead of like making this big mess, it turns out that's key to move, moving forward, addressing what's real. And by the way, it builds trust, builds connection, builds a sense of, of teamwork. Yeah. So I do you think by sorry sharing our feelings is is paramount? Well, sometimes hmm. there are people who overshare. Yeah. Right. And I remember I was working with the U.S. Marine Corps on uh, emotional intelligence at one point, and this this. Uh, Marine said to me, I'm not going to ask my guys if how they're feeling before I tell them a storm a hill. I'm like, no, that would not be emotionally intelligent, right? It's emotional intelligence doesn't mean we delve into every emotion. It means we pay attention and we are smart about it. Collective. Mm. But if you tell your guys to storm the hill and you have no idea how they're feeling, that's dumb. That's dangerous. Right. So you need to be aware of this and you need to handle it in a way that's functional. But yeah. let's do it at the right time. Right. Yeah. A lot of managers say, oh, I don't have time for this people stuff. Do they say that in Australia also? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. And I, I get that, cause, you know, as a, as a, CEO, there are a lot of days where I'm like, ah, please don't nobody tell me how they're feeling today. But what I've come to learn is that if I don't, if I don't engage with my feelings and other people's feelings today, I'm going to be engaging with them tomorrow. And tomorrow, it's going to be harder. They mm -hmm. don't just go away, they get more intense, more complex, usually. Yeah, yeah. So how do we how do we start to understand? I suppose our intelligence first, mm. and that's where we'd start, I guess. So we can then better understand ours. We can then better understand yep. others by doing that. Absolutely. So, I think going first is is absolutely the way to go uh, because if we haven't tuned in and and come to understand emotions and engage with them, they're just they're very confusing. Yeah. And so uh, learning some emotional vocabulary, starting to, as I said, just starting to kind of see, oh, this is something valuable. That's interesting. I wonder what's going on here. And that curiosity uh, 
to get the data, right? So all intelligence, we talk about math, language, all intelligence is accurately acquiring the data and then using it to effectively solve problems. That's the dictionary definition of intelligence. Right. So for emotional intelligence, let's accurately get the data. We call that know yourself at six seconds, tuning in, getting this information, coming to see what am I feeling? How am I reacting? Okay, this is pushing me this way. This is pushing me that way. I have these multiple feelings at the same time. Let me sort them out. Okay, so that's know yourself. And then step two, do I have any options? Like I'm reacting in this way. I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm impatient about that. I'm excited about this, whatever. Do I have options? Mm. And can I pause and go, okay, wait a minute. What are some different ways that I can handle this? And that's about moving out of the automatic reaction and into a more intentional response. Right. So you need a bit of a, some level of self-awareness then to, to firstly be able to recognize or pause even so you yeah. can see the about, emotions that you're feeling. For about six seconds. About six seconds, yeah. So we have a, a model that we put in a circle. Yeah, that's on the website, is it? Yeah. yeah, and on sixseconds.org. And uh, the blue part, know yourself. It's blue for like reflecting pool and water and noticing, okay, what's happening? And then, as you just said, red is for stop. But wait a second, <laughs> I'm reacting this way. Do I have any other options? What, how is, is this working or not? Mm. And then the part that we really need to talk about is the green part, because the green part is the go or grow. And that's about where do I really, where do I really want to go? I've stopped, I'm out of reaction. And now I'm going to step forward. But what's going to guide me in stepping forward if it's not autopilot? Yeah. Do, 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 you know the answer? No, tell me. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> purpose. Oh, sorry, okay, yes. Sure. <laughs> right? Because when we were moving out of this unconscious automatic reaction, we say, okay, what's really important? What do I want to move toward? So in this green part, self-direction, or, or we call it give yourself, there's two competencies. One is increasing empathy, and the other is pursuing noble goals. And those two things combine to give us a radar. And to say, okay, I want to move in this direction. Mm. And I'm going to harness my emotions to help me move there. Okay. So if we have a level of self-awareness first, we've come to a point where we're feeling something, the emotions. But before we just react to them, we then look at them and go, okay, well, hang on. Which way am I going? The purpose, I guess, is you're talking about. First that stop. Yeah. And then the purpose as a direction. Yeah, so empathy and noble goals is his purpose. Yeah. What's the part of empathy? So in um, our team in China was struggling with translating these words and they came up with, but I don't speak Chinese, but what they told me is the characters they use literally mean connecting beyond yourself. And I thought that was a beautiful way to describe this give yourself area. Yeah. Because empathy connects us kind of laterally, right? It helps us be in community. 
and and it's not just empathize it's not me saying oh leah get how you're feeling right that's kind yeah. of a one-way thing mm. it's, it's a mutuality so rather than just sort of the selfish sort of purpose or noble goals we're actually combining that with okay we're going towards this but what's the connection with everyone else yeah yes and that i think is uh it just unleashes something Mm. in our in our leadership in our family life in our community life and our, our personal relationships just inside our inside ourselves as individuals when we can feel that sense of connection and feel that sense of purpose working together okay what tools do you have for us there so I guess I mean, can we, maybe we could start with a couple of tools in each section there, like the self-awareness. Do you do you guide people to do a meditation or anything like that to help them with that? Yeah, I mean, not to be like commercial and crass here, but I do recommend that people take an emotional intelligence assessment and ours is fantastic. And so if you want to really understand where you are in this, a key part of that self-awareness, yeah. uh, the emotional intelligence assessment will help you. That's on your um, website there. Yep, absolutely. Um, the other big piece in this know yourself part is just growing your vocabulary. And if people go to the website, <clears throat> in the top menu, there's a get started learning about emotional intelligence yep, menu. Got it. And there's some free tools there. And one of them is the interactive emotion wheel, which is super cool because you can click around on different feelings and understand what they mean. And again, I, you know, I told you I was uncomfortable with feelings and I spent most of my life avoiding them. Well, I don't know if that's true anymore. Now it's been 25 years of doing this still. I, okay. The majority of my life before doing this, I was avoiding them and just kind of getting some of the logic of feelings and going, okay, these actually, I can make sense of this. I can mm. be, you know, people will say like, well, let's just be rational. Okay, let's be rational and understand that emotions are part of how we work. And let's figure them out. So that really helped me just building my vocabulary and going, okay, I get what disappointment means. I get what frustration actually means. Mm. I get what anxiety means. Okay. And I get what trust and, and joy mean too. Well, I guess it makes sense. You need to understand what the emotions are to, to understand what you're experiencing. Yes. I guess it yeah, puts, puts it into better understanding. Yeah. So that tool is available just, on your website there, is it? Just that thing you just said, that's emotional intelligence, right? Like, oh, I'm feeling something and now I understand it. Hmm. I have a label for it. I, I get what that, I get what's going on. You just used your emotional intelligence to connect those dots. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So website full of information here. Yeah, we've tons of uh, articles and resources and case studies, and a huge network of consultants and coaches and uh, facilitators all over the world. So people who want to dig into this, you can really enjoy the website. And there's lots there for free. We're a nonprofit, and we're here to advocate and share. And our whole, this whole curriculum I mentioned for kids, the pop-up festival, it's all free. And then if you want to go deeper, 
uh, in your company, in your own life, in your school, we can help you. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So when you um, have this level of knowing yourself and choosing yourself, what particularly goes wrong after that as far hmm. as proceeding with you, how you're feeling? So I remember talking to uh, one of my students about this way back. And, um, and she said to me, well, okay, I understand what I'm feeling, but I don't have any choice about it. Mm. And I mean, I was teaching, and she was 14 at the time. I'm very curious. I should try to find her now and ask her if she still feels that way. But I think a lot of us have this sense that emotions just happen to us and somehow it's out of our control. Mm. Emotions are automatic. But that doesn't mean we have no choice. Uh, just for example, if I don't sleep very much and I, you know, stay out late drinking, which I I don't really do anymore, but if I did, the next day I would be cranky. Right? And yeah. then I'd say, well, Lee, it's just an automatic reaction. Like, oh, well, Josh, no, you chose to stay out late drinking and not sleep and now you're cranky. That's not automatic. That was your choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we kind of set up the conditions uh, in which these reactions happen. But we also, even if I react in a particular way, I still have choice about what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, as masterful as you might be, you'll still have an emotional that will trigger something that will make you react. And you then have to, you know, like the kids sometimes, and I just go, why did I react like that? But I did. <laughs> But at least I can sit back and reflect and go, okay, well, this is what's happened and maybe I can do this better next time. How old are your kids? Um, they're now seven and ten. Oh, my goodness. That's a wonderful age. They're, they're pretty good kids. And some challenges. Yeah. They're great. Kids are great emotional intelligence trainers. Hmm. They give you a ton of feedback. Yeah. You know, by like throwing a tantrum or yelling at you or like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to build a connection here. I'm going to, I'm going to have a conversation and you try something and it doesn't work. You get a lot of feedback really quickly and go, okay, I'll try it differently tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Spot on. No, it's, um, they're very good for that. Uh, taught me a lot. Do you, um, yeah, I suppose what advice, like final advice would you give people around this uh, emotional intelligence and how better to use it to discover themselves and, and others? So emotions don't come forward with a big banner and say, this is what I mean. Like whether they're our own emotions or our kids, or our colleagues, employees, spouses, mother-in-laws, right? Mm. The, the emotions there and we can start to sense it and it's giving us a little nudge and i think that engaging with curiosity and saying okay this is here for a reason i wonder what's going on i wonder what's going on for me i wonder what's going on for my kid and that place of respectful curiosity as opposed to dismissing and saying oh this person's crazy or you know my kid's being a jerk like I don't, hopefully we don't do that very often, but I think we've all been there where we're like dismissing uh, or even demeaning other people and mm. instead, or ourselves, and instead saying, okay, this is happening for a reason. Let me explore this. 
I'm going to be curious about there's something meaningful and I want to understand it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, again, it's just taking that time to reflect. Um, and you sort of talked about the, the rational mindset and, you know, the, the stoic approach to life, maybe. Within yeah, all that, had... there is a rational, it, it's, it's very sensible to be rational about your emotions. We have, a, I think, a strong history in Western thought of dismissing emotions. And, you know, sometimes... Uh, both in the US and Australia, you'll hear phrases like, oh, man up. And absolutely that yeah. means that means ignore what you're feeling. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a kind of dangerous um, way we've kind of intermingled uh, masculinity and strength with uh, a lack of compassion and self compassion. Mm. And I don't think that serves us well in the world today. So if we can, do, you think there's a balance bar? Like, do you think we've sort of sure. gone from one polar to too much the other way now, where we're we're allowing people to be too sensitive and too emotional and feely feely, touchy touchy? Like, well, I live in California, so that's. Uh, I mean, no, I think sometimes people are too self absorbed. But that's not the same as being um, compassionate in a meaningful way towards self and others. And unfortunately, I think in the world, we haven't gotten very far in, in deeply respecting people as people and yeah. that their unique experience is meaningful, irrespective of their age, gender, race, orientation, where they live, how they think. Uh, how tall they are, <laughs> like whatever. We have all these biases that prevent us from um, of, of really valuing one another. And I think that that sort of phrases like man up are tools that we've used to disconnect ourselves. Yeah. And, and to diminish and demean people and, and, or ourselves. And so if we really want a respectful relationship with human beings, uh, I think we need a lot more uh, caring and and emotions are part of that. Emotions help us yeah. uh, care and respect and engage. Do you find, I mean, there's there's obviously two camps of people. The one that says, you know, that just lives by that because maybe that was their upbringing, hard enough. Um, maybe they're very, uh, oh, I don't know if it's low level of emotional intelligence or they're just very, they almost seem confident, like they don't need their emotions, but I feel that they're actually just trying to cover it most of the times. Then you've got the other people, probably more like me, who are highly emotional, you know, um, yeah. and probably allow it sometimes to control me rather than me use it to control my purpose. Um, yeah. I mean, how how do you, diff and again, this is probably a, a bigger question than we can have time for, but how do you tap into to both those polars? Well, this could be our next a next yeah, episode. episode but i think that this this being able to balance is really central to having a healthy relationship with our emotions and i think about the metaphor of a river and a dam and when you dam the river you know downstream you have destruction and upstream you have destruction yeah a healthy yeah. river will be in a state of flow and a healthy 
digestive system, endocrine system, blood system, breathing system, all those things will be healthy in a state of flow. So there's something about um, feeling it and moving on, feeling it and taking the next steps and not fighting against it and resisting, not being upstream in the you know dam where you're wallowing in the feelings or downstream where it's the rivers dried out and you're pretending they're not there but the healthy state of emotions is uh, flowing balance yeah yeah and then again that that awareness where you go okay well i'm feeling this and, and this i can share or this i don't need to and this i can use and mm -hmm. so i don't need to you can start filtering it out there otherwise you're just gonna there's one more very cool thing which is that we feel multiple feelings all the time yeah. And so, you know, again, just going back to parenting and, you know, you walk in your kid's room and it's a, just a bomb went off and it's a total disaster and you're just pulling your hair out and I've already pulled all mine out. And uh, you're so frustrated. At the same time, you just love them to bits. Those two feelings, they don't cancel each other out. They're both there. And so recognizing the kind of multiplicity of feelings, the depth of our feelings, the layers of our feelings. My favorite question is, what else are you feeling? Mm. Not just staying on the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dig a little deeper. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Josh Friedman, thank you for uh, sharing with us. The links to sixseconds.org will be in the show notes. Um, are there other websites or ways people can connect with you directly, Josh, or is it just through that website? Absolutely. Uh, I'm regularly on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter at EQJosh, uh, but LinkedIn is a good place to connect with me and also to follow Six Seconds. Um, we're also on Instagram and, and other places Facebook as well. So all those Perfect. places. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, and thank you guys for listening out there. This will be episode 1043 at the So look it up and have a listen. Um, Josh, 1043. Yeah, that's fantastic. Several years in the making. Hey, congratulations. I get to speak to wonderful people like yourself, Josh, every week. <laughs> 1042 so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. So it's good. But uh, thank you for coming on. Appreciate your time. And for everyone listening out there, until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwhy.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there. 
um, and anything else really that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link, it helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out again at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Manutzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.